you are beautiful, you are so strong, you're amazing. Like Every day of life is a blank sheet of paper. More happy days in our lives. Small, small changes. You had to just be with life. To really practice mindfulness. I am not my thought. It's not easy, but it's very simple. If you put those two things together, you know, the sky is the limit. Uh, and today we have an amazing guest, Christian de la Huerta. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on the show, Annie. It's a delight to be here with you. Same for me as well. If there was, you can say from, okay, one to three minute commercial about you, what would it say? It can be about your personal life or your business or what you do, <laughs> but what would it say about Christian, the commercial? That is funny. Uh, well, I have been doing, I, I was born in Cuba, have been in the States since I was 10. Um, and I've been doing personal transformational work from a psycho-spiritual perspective. My degree's in psychology, um, but the work is more spiritually based, psycho-spiritually based uh, for the last 30 years, 32 years, in fact. Um, and so everything that I do is dedicated to supporting our global um, empowerment and awakening. Mm -hmm. I come from the perspective, of, you know, paraphrasing Einstein, that you can't solve a problem from the same level of consciousness in which it was created. So when I look at all at the world and all the problems that we're facing that seem overwhelming, even one of them, uh, the only way that I see us digging ourselves out of this hole that we have dug ourselves into collectively is nothing short of a spiritual re revolution, uh, a leap in consciousness. So my work, whether it's my retreat work, retreat work or my, my virtual coaching programs, my books, all designed to support that process of awakening, starting with myself. Yes, I love how you said starting with yourself. Define consciousness for me. What does it mean for you? What does it mean a person to be a conscious person? And what does even consciousness mean? We use the word so much, but if I ask someone, what does consciousness mean? They might not be able to, not you, but for the listeners and for the listeners or readers of the self-help book, define what it means for you. It means going through life with awareness, with, with um you know, aware why we do the things we do. Like most of us, and, and, and most of us, even most of our lives, go through our life kind of unconsciously uh, at the effect of other people's expectations, their demands, conditioned by society, by culture, by religion, uh, at the effect of, of the media um, and the information that we're given to us, social media these days, even more than, than traditional media, um, and, and driven by subconscious impulses like stuff that happened to us when we were kids even um you know traumas experiences that had an effect on us but at the time we weren't ready to deal with it so we kind of suppress all that stuff into the subconscious um but just because we couldn't deal with it and we suppress it doesn't mean it goes away right it's we we kind of stuff it into the back of a closet somewhere into the shadow what's called the shadow from which it's still having an effect. It's still having an impact on, on our relationships, on our lives, how we do our lives and how we do our relationships and the quality of, of those relationships. And, and so becoming conscious, like Carl Jung, um, the psychologist said that the process of enlightenment is, and I'm paraphrasing, is 
bringing the subconscious conscious so that we're aware of why we do the things we do so that we understand how the mind works so that we understand the patterns of behavior that you know that the that sometimes have us like like the way that even we do our relationships um most of us do it unconsciously and we don't even know why we fall for or attract the kind of people that we fall for or attract uh and that sometimes the patterns of sabotaging our relationships before we even get started by you know by falling for people who are not a match for people who are not available they're already with somebody else they live on the other side of the world uh, so but we do these patterns subconsciously right so we're, we get stuck in these patterns of behavior so by that's what i mean by becoming conscious that we understand how the mind works and why we do the things we do so that we can break ourselves let ourselves free from from the self-made prison of the mind and all our conditioning and all our unresolved pasts and and lifetime of suppressed emotions uh my family even jokes about because i say so often oh this is my trauma talking this is my childhood trauma talking with this i try to when i catch it i'm like okay and i just talk out loud and they're like okay we don't want to hear that trauma talk uh okay but obviously not seriously but you know sometimes they're like okay well is the what is the childhood trauma so what is the childhood trauma because we we talk about stuff, we overuse words like abundance, prosperity, spirituality, sure, and we don't fully, that's just my perspective. Uh, and it's not about you or me or any specific no, know, person, but in general, we don't fully define it. What is childhood trauma? Uh, what is emotional trauma and the difference between emotional and psychological trauma and like actual trauma that our uh, bodies can get? And why is it important to understand it and just define it and replace it with better beliefs and habits. Yeah, so the thing about trauma is that it's pretty much inescapable and unavoidable. Like think, go back to the beginning, like the moment of birth is traumatizing for everybody concerned. It's traumatizing for the, mo for the mother, for sure, and going through that pain and, and that incredibly uh, demanding process. And it's just tra traumatizing for us as, as as, as the babies as the kids you know who, who abandoned that soft warm safe environment and then suddenly like we're bombarded with noises and sounds and bright lights and temperature changes and you know i don't think they do this anymore but you know they used to hold us by the feet upside down and whack us on the butt to get us to start breathing so it's the beginnings are traumatizing for anybody involved um, and that trauma just doesn't go away it gets stored in in the in the body in the tissues of the body and, and then say, flash forward, we're five, six, seven, and our parents, like for so many people, our parents divorce. And at that point in our lives, for those minds that didn't know any better, you know, we didn't have the, the, the understanding of what was going on with, with them individually. What was their, what was their history like? What were, were there any substance abuse issues? What was going on with their, their brain biochemistry? So many factors that were impacting the relationship. What was going on between the relationship? Why did they get married? What, what did they learn about relationships from their parents and their parents before them? And so we didn't know about any of that. We don't even know to ask those questions. We take it personally. And so we make their separation about us. It's like, and, and it's like, we, well, wait a minute, how could mommy leave us? How could daddy leave, leave me? Don't they love me? And then the problem is we start taking that deeper. Well, what does it mean about me that they left me, right? And then we start arriving at conclusions about ourselves. 
that have no basis on reality. They're just misunderstandings of young minds that didn't know any better. Well, what does it mean about me? Well, that means that must mean I'm not, I'm, I'm, there's something wrong with me, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not lovable enough. And, and the sad part about this, Annie, is that because those misunderstandings are so intense for those young minds that we cannot deal with them, we suppress them. But just because we suppress them, they don't go away. They get, you know, they, they're still having an impact on us from the subconscious. And so if, if then we go through the rest of our lives feeling like there's something wrong with us, like, like we're not lovable. And then if that's what's going on, that's all we're going to attract when we get into a relationship. Because if we don't feel lovable, how can we expect anybody else? To lovable so then we we settle for less and we settle for relationships that are not a match for who we really are and we start sabotaging our relationships by attracting the wrong people and and falling for people who are not a match who are just not available so so that's why it's so important to understand why we do the things we do and understand these these subconscious patterns of behavior and relationships so that we can break free from them and bring choice rather than then go through life unconsciously right from from stuff that was never from traumas that we don't even remember and and from a lifetime of accumulated suppressed emotions i want to talk about in self-sabotaging for a minute but what Kim said for the kids, they blame themselves all the time. And I love, I never thought about how our, when we enter this world, we already get traumatized by all of this bright light or taking, uh, leaving the womb. We just get traumatized from the beginning. And also when, yes, when their parents do something, if they think that something is wrong with their parents, something is wrong with the people who are taking care of them, they cannot comprehend that their little minds cannot comprehend that the people who are raising them are just broken. So the easiest way is to just blame themselves. It's like, okay, it. I'm bad. Because if they are bad, then my, there is no point for my life and for me to be alive anymore. But okay, then That's I am bad. True. And then we have, all of us have that belief in one way or another that we are bad and then we self-sabotage ourselves what is self-sabotaging and um if you just can give us few tips of how can we catch ourselves sabotaging ourselves and how can we stop doing it or replace it because sometimes replacing our beliefs are easier than just removing them and starting new behaviors so just give us a few more tips on how yeah, we yeah. oh my that. god there's so many ways in which we sabotage ourselves and that we sabotage our relationships so the relationships for example by by like we're talking about we attract people who are not a match mm -hmm. people who are they already in relationship with somebody else or people who are on the other side of the world um or people who are just not there they're just, I mean, it doesn't mean we're better or worse. They're just, it's just not a match for, for where we are in life, for our values, for our interests, uh, for, for, you know, our, our sense of what life is about. So from the get-go, we sabotage them because we kind of ensure that the relationship is not going to work out. But and if someone course, is listening to you, sorry to interrupt you, but if someone is listening to you and telling you, no, you're lying because I want to be happy. Why would I do that to myself? And they are, because so many people are defensive. So many people get angry. That's why I use the I word lying, because they're like, this, this is just the truth. This is not truth. And 
how can I do that to myself? And they don't believe it. So just talk to that people. If they are just, nope. I know. Nope. Yeah. I want a good life for me. I, I am, they are in victim mentality of, I have been trying to find that person who will be loving, but I cannot find them. I, the guys that treat me poorly, that's, Oh, the only guys I attract because so many people believe that that they are doing fine, nothing is wrong with them, but life is giving them whatever it's giving. Yeah. So what would you tell those people? Well, Annie, you just you just went for the jugular. You just went for the the hardest thing in in, in I think in this process of of becoming hunches and and freeing ourselves, which is taking responsibility. You know, personal accountability, like letting go of the victim mindset. And that is the hardest one because all of our culture is reinforces that victim mindset. But, but here's the way to look at that. You know, if, if we are on a journey of personal empowerment and self-discovery and self-expression, um, if we want to have lives that are filled with meaning, with purpose, if we want to have relationships that have a chance at working, to me, there's no way around it. Because as long as we're holding anybody or anything outside of ourselves responsible for our happiness, for our state of being, we just gave our power away, right? So whether we're blaming, if, if only, right? Because that's, that's what we think. If only mom had been this way or daddy hadn't done that, or if the teacher, the minister, society, sexism, racism, if only there wasn't homophobia, if only I had been born to a rich family on the other side of the world, it's like, if only, if only, if only, like, and we can come up with if onlys forever, right? But be, and it's easier to do that, right? It's easier to blame something outside of us rather than look inside. And, and, and I'm not minimizing any, any trauma. I'm not minimizing or denying that those systems are set up unfairly, right? So I'm not denying the existence of the, the trauma that we went through or, 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 or the systems that, that are set up unfairly in the world you know that that is something but but here, here's the way that we can break free of this like no matter what happened in the past no matter what happens going forward because if there's one thing that we can count on is that life is going to continue throwing curveballs our way you know things are going to happen that we just didn't see coming like a global pandemic or the loss of a job or, or, or the, the end of a relationship or the loss of a loved one, right? Stuff is going to happen. Unpredictable. That we can count on. But here's, here's the way to reframe it. That no matter what happened, no matter what happens, we always get to choose how we show up in response. That little reframe alone pops us out of victim mode. Because if not, we're going to go through life holding holding ourselves and giving the responsibility for our happiness to things or people outside of us. And that is completely disempowering. We're giving our power away to stuff that even happened when we were kids. And again, not to minimize the stuff that happened, you know, stuff happened to us that should have never happened to anybody. And I'm really sorry about that. But what are we going to do about that? Right? We can't do anything about what happened. We can't do anything about the, 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 the things that are going to come that we didn't see coming. The only thing we can do something about is how, how we show up in response. And we all have a choice about that. And, and nobody exemplifies that for me better than, than Viktor Frankl, the Austrian psychiatrist. Spent years in concentration camps. Lost everything. Like everything was taken away from him. All his years of study, his property, his degrees his belongings, his whole family was taken away. Everybody went into, lost everybody, including his 
soulmate kind of relationship is his wife who was pregnant at the time. And that man was able to say like in that setting that they could take everything away from him except for one thing, the ability to choose how he would be in response. It's like, wow, right? Not to minimize again, anybody's traumas, but if he can do that in a concentration camp, we can certainly do that in our lives. Sure. And, and at some point, at some point, we have to get honest and we, and we have to look at our lives and look at, all our, uh, look at every one of our relationships, every one of our conflicts, every one of our arguments. And there is one constant, one common denominator in every one of those, and that's us. So why do we do the things we do? And why do we get caught in these patterns of behavior that don't serve us, that, that, that are not good for us? And so that's the process of becoming aware. Uh, becoming conscious about those things so that they're not driving us from the subconscious and then we feel like we're just going through life at the effect you know like buffeted by by life's ups and downs uh, so the process of becoming conscious you could say is more like bringing choice and, and taking responsibility and ownership and leadership for our own lives no matter what happened and no matter what happens going forward yes and I always say that to be free, you need to take responsibility for your life. You cannot be free unless you take responsibility. Because as you mentioned, if you gave your power away, if you're saying it's government's fault, it's parents' fault, then you are not free to create your yeah. own reality. And I would That's love it. to talk about power and powerlessness. But before we do so, I would love you to tell me a little story or how, if you have any story about your art piece behind you. It really caught my attention. And it's, it's just so powerful. And I just, I would love to know where it's from. Why is it there? If you're willing to share. <laughs> well, it, the, the why it's there, it's interesting. I'm in the process of moving. Um, so, um, so I'm packing up in the middle of packing up today. I have to move in two weeks by the end of the month. So what's usually there, I had taken it down and it's a bigger, heavier painting. So I just grabbed this one that's lighter. But it's one of my favorites. So the story of this one, it's, um, I've been, I've, rent a big house, but I treat it as a temple and, you know, it's it, honoring all the traditions. Um, so, you know, Eastern, Western, everybody's welcome. I, I honor all the traditions and I challenge them all too. Um, and so I was a little heavy on the Eastern religions, like, you know, the, the Hindu, um, Hinduism and Buddhism, a lot of Native, Native American stuff. And I was in Honolulu and I went to this restaurant and uh, happened to be a guy, a mutual friend took us there because like, the owner was Cuban too. And he knew that I was Cuban. So I walk into the restaurant and I see these amazing, beautiful representations of the Orijas, which is the, the, the African Yoruba based deities. Mm -hmm. um, and I, so I asked him, oh my God, those are amazing. I've been looking for some beautiful ones and I love this guy's style. He goes, well, it's an artist in Miami. And when we both, in the t at the time I was living in California, the Bay in the Bay Area, he goes, well, when, one of these days when we overlap in Miami, which I always, you know, come, used to come to even when I didn't live here because my family is here. Um, and so then, you know, we'll go see, I'll take you to see the gallery. So sure enough, like years later, we went to this gallery and I walk in and I see that painting. And I have a thing with peacocks, which is a whole other story. I, like in this neighborhood in Miami that I live, there's, it's called Coconut Grove and there's, you know, a flock of wild peacocks, you know, probably a couple hundred. And, but I have a, a relationship with one in particular that eats out of my hands. 
and now have like three or four now that I've been in pandemic times at home without traveling now there's like three or four that eat out of my hands um so I see the peacock feathers I mean the peacock eyes in there and I said oh my god I've got to have it and um so the the one is Yamaya that has the halo around her who's the goddess of the oceans um, and the waters and the rivers. The other one in the up in the upper left corner is Ochung, um, which is her sister, the 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 goddess of beauty. And so Yamaya gives to her sister the peacock, mm -hmm. and and so I think the PC had it for like eleven hundred dollars. It's a, it's one of I don't know fifteen uh, glisse pieces, so they're prints of of an original oil, and so. So he said, all right, I'll let, you, I'll let you have it for 800, which I still wasn't about to spend 800 on that at, at that point. So without agenda, I texted a picture of it to a, a couple of friends who have been here to the temple. And in, an, in the breathwork session in the middle of, of a retreat, Yamaya showed up to them. So they had a thing with Yamaya. So I said, hey, look who's coming to the temple. I don't, I don't know when, but they're coming to the temple. And then one of, the, one of them texted me right back. He goes, how much? And I said, 800. And he goes, well, I was just about to text you today that because my life changed in such profound ways at your retreat, I wanted to gift a scholarship of $800 um, for, for a weekend retreat to somebody else. I wanted to pass it on, uh, the gift of, of your retreats. So use it for, use it for the painting. And so, so that's the kind of magic um, that, that happens when we step out of that, that little perspective of the ego mind. And um, so, yeah, I'm glad you asked. It's really interesting that you asked about that piece. <laughs> yes, it really caught my attention. It's for me, what it uh, triggered me is like this power and this women who know the truth, who see like through yeah. this conditioning and they're just like connected to their higher selves. That's what I see. I just wanted to know why it's important for you. And thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it definitely connects to to power too, because that's what yes. the book that's, the book yes. that I that I wrote, which is you know awakening the soul of power. How do we step into power in a way that's not about hierarchy, control, fear, force, domination? How do we step into power in a way that does, we don't have to push anybody down, step on them, put our knee to their neck in order for us to feel powerful? How do we do it in a different way? It's for everybody, but it has a particular message for women. Stemming from my belief, well, it's more like a conviction that the empowerment of women is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world. And, and the reclaiming of the sacred feminine in all of us, no matter what kind of body we're in. Um, because much to the surprise of some humans, we all have masculine and feminine energies coursing through us because we're part of the cosmos and the and that's what that's what animates the cosmos, both masculine and feminine feminine energies, and so I believe that when and, and and this is not to give women more stuff to do, like more clean up more of a mess, or it's not to idealize women, put women up on a pedestal. Women also abuse power for sure, um, but it's because we've been running so off balance, so off kilter, where it comes to the balance between the masculine and the feminine. And I believe that when women are in 50% of power in the world, that we're gonna have a very different relationship to war and poverty and hunger and, and the distribution of wealth and healthcare, how we treat the environment, education, to all of it. So, so when I think about strategically, how do, we, how do we handle the problems that we're facing? 
um, as a species, that that's the one thing that I think impacts everything else. And and so so yeah, so that's why the the empowerment of women is and and the reclaiming of the sacred feminine is so important to me. You said they need to be like empowered. Do you what do you mean by fifty percent in charge? Do you mean treated yes. equally? What do you mean by having power? Both of those. Okay. Both of those. I mean, of course, treated equally. That's the baseline. That's the minimum. Um, and I would say 50% in power, like in leadership roles um, all over the world, not only politically, but in, in corporations. Uh, and we're not even close, not even in, in you know, not even in, in this country, in the US where I live, not even close in terms of leader, leadership. Um, and, and that's really important to me that, that we get to that place of balance. Why is it important for you? Pardon? Why is it important for you? Because because of what I'm saying. Because because of the impact on the world. Because I think that's that's part of the, the reason that the the, the 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 world is in the shape that it is is because of this imbalance between the 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 balance between the masculine and the feminine energies. And and you know, like I started to say, we all struggle with power issues. We all have this ambivalent, conflicted relationship to power. Part of us wants it, part of us is afraid of it. And I think what we fear is that if we really stepped into our power, if we really beat all who we are, that other people wouldn't be able to handle it and that we might end up you know, alone um, and, and isolated. And we also fear that if we really stepped into our power that we might abuse it and cause harm. And no wonder, like all we gotta do is turn on the news or, or read the morning headlines online on any day to, to read about or witness at least one abuse of power. And, and on top of that, we've been conditioned to believe that power is bad, that power is a negative thing, that, you know, with quotes like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. What they didn't tell us about that quote by Lord Acton is that he was speaking specifically about political power, not personal power. And so when you add to that mix, what we started to talk about earlier, about that, how, we, how the emotions, um, we have labeled the emotions weakness, especially men, right? Because since we were boys, they tell us little boys don't cry. It's like, wait a minute, why? Why is that? You know, but what's, because we only little girls cry and because the feminine is weak. It's like, wait a minute, like so many assumptions there that are not true. Who says the feminine is weak? You want to talk power? You want to talk strength, resilience, courage? Let's talk about the power of, of creation um, that, that's in a female body uh, and, and the capacity for pain that is proven to be so much greater than, than men. Um, and, and, and so also the, the assumption that the emotions are weakness is like, wait a minute, the emotions are not weak. They're not strength. They're not good. They're not bad. Emotions are energy like everything else. What used to be spiritual teaching, that everything is energy, now we know from physics, from quantum physics, that everything is energy. That means that our bodies, the, this chair that I'm sitting on, even though they feel solid, they're just vibration, they're just energy. That, that means the emotions energy. We know from physics, energy cannot be destroyed. So what we were talking about, about, about before, all the times throughout our lives where we felt emotions, where we didn't resolve those traumas and we suppress them, that's why they don't go away. 
right? They get stored, those energies get stored in the tissues of our body. And after years and decades and a lifetime of suppressing emotions, we walk around with like, like a huge bag of emotional crap on our, on our, on our bag that we then, you know, we, we like, like we walk around with layers upon layers upon layers of repressed emotions. And then here we are trying to have a relationship in the present. All of it is getting filtered through that lifetime of repressed emotions and unresolved past trauma. Like it boggles my mind that any relationship can work because we haven't been taught about them. We haven't been taught how to even approach them, approach them consciously, going back to what we started talking about. Um, and we certainly haven't been taught about how to clear ourselves of this lifetime, this repressed volcano of emotions that we walk around with. How, does being, started... your, uh, how does being for you, when do you say that, yes, I am in my true power? Because we all are guilty in being powerless. We are all guilty in abusing the power. Is it over ourselves? Is it over our children? It doesn't have to be really traumatic, but a little, for example... My son wanted to dress himself differently. And I told him that, no, you're going to uh, put this on because it was really cold. And he had a runny nose. And in my world, I was right too. But I was like, okay, I'm abusing, overusing my power now because I can let him choose what he wants to wear. So we, we abuse our power in different ways and in big ways as well. How, when are you personally satisfied? And how does, for you, being in your true power look like in like little daily moments or in big moments? Yeah, well, let me address that example because that's a really good example um, because we have, we have so much confusion about power. So I start talking about like the, on the journey to personal empowerment, the first step is understanding that there are different kinds of power. Mm -hmm. So I talk about worldly power, right, or ego power. Um, and, and so that's the way that we, we tend to think of power, right, which, which we tend to think of powerful people are those who, who, are, who are rich, who, have, who, have, who are famous, who are high up some kind of hierarchy, whether it's a corporate ladder or some kind of religious organization or any kind of organization. But the thing about those powers that are external, because they're outside of us, they could be here today, gone tomorrow. Um, whereas the, the what I call soulful, soulful power or spiritual power is inside each one of us. Nobody can give it to us. Nobody can take it away. Right? It's, we are the only ones who can give it away. And the sad part is that we give it away for lame reasons we we settle for 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 less we play small we say yes when inside we really feel no for an, an illusion of security to not rock the boat uh, because of those fears that we were talking about before that if we really said how we felt that we might cause conflict or end up alone um, and we settle for for a, a false sense of acceptance and for that illusion of security and for crumbs of pseudo love and so it's not a very effective strategy uh, to begin with. And, and so, for, so, for example, to go a little bit deeper into it, worldly power always has an agenda. It's always trying to get something for itself. Mm -hmm. And it's always self-aggrandizing. So it's always blowing itself up to seem bigger than it is. Spiritual power, soulful power, is, it's humble. It doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. And it's about service. It's about making a difference. So that's where that difference comes in. Right, sometimes, and it's not a binary black and white difference. It's more about what, where we're coming from. So when you are telling your son, it's like, no, no, you're not gonna wear that. It's not that you're doing it for the sake of exerting power over them and, and blowing yourself up. It's like, I'm the boss here. 
and I'm going to tell you what to do. That would be more like ego power. You're coming from a place of service, from a place of love. You're, you're telling him no. You're telling him no. You're putting boundaries because he doesn't know better at his age yet. And because you're, you're taking care of him. You don't want him to, to get a worse cold. But still, right? I so, can communicate that in a better way. I can express yes. Like the yes. way I told him, no, you are going to, that I, for me personally, right. I don't think that's the right way. I'm, I that's can right. explain to him, but not yes. like, no, because I want to like, that's what I meant yes. by abusing power. That's, that's completely true. And that's another conversation. How do we communicate the power, mm -hmm. right? How do, how do we express it? And, and there's times where, where, you know, where, where that kind of power, like, like direct authoritative power is, is necessary. Right. So say using a kid, a kid running, running and it's about to run into a busy street. No. Right. Mm -hmm. It's appropriate use of, of that anger, energy and that powerful strength so that they get it, that that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, so it's not about abusing our power, which we're coming from a place of service and taking care of them. Or if we're standing up in a room of, of you know, 500 people and the fire alarms go off. It's not a time to say, okay, you beautiful, wonderful souls. How many of you think we should use that exit? Raise your hands. Oh, yay, beautiful. How many of you think we should use that exit? Yay, beautiful. No, no, go, go, right? Directive. So there are times for that. But we do that consciously, mm -hmm. not because we're feeding our egos and feeding ourselves by abusing power. That's not where we're coming from. I really enjoy that. Um, first of all, I want to, before I ask you my uh, last uh, questions. I want to acknowledge you for uh, just being so present during this conversation and like talking in a way that it's very easily digestible and you are still going deep, but talking in a way that is very uh, easily understandable, basically. The power, yeah. the uh, self-sabotaging, and we covered so many aspects of <laughs> <laughs> trauma and power in such a short period of time in a way that it's so easy to understand okay. at least for me because obviously everyone has different understanding of words and perception and their own trauma and everything um is there any topic you wanted to talk about or any question you want me wanted me to ask you and i didn't got the chance to do so no, Annie, you and I obviously could talk for hours and wouldn't run out of stuff to talk about because you because you asked amazing, great, and deep questions, um, right? So you you evoked that from me by the kind of questions you ask. So you you, you do a great interview, um, and um, so I think to wrap it up, what I would say is that the point of of this book, you know, awakening the soul of power. The point of this conversation is that there is a way that we can step into power our own personal power that nobody can take away from us, that nobody can give to us, it's in there. That there's a way that we get to live that and express that and have our relationships come from that place so that we don't have to settle, so that we don't have to say yes if it doesn't work for us. And that there's a way that we can do this gracefully in the way that, that we know with clear boundaries without abusing power, without causing harm. And, and so that's what I talk about in the book. And I take the pe people, the reader by the hand. Yeah. I, I designed it to, to make it easy, right? Short chapters, because I know how busy we are and I know what an ADD society we live in and, and, and how many distractions there, there are in our lives. So short chapters, just do it a chapter a week. But here's, here's the thing, there's always uh, practices that go with each chapter. That's what I would recommend. 
Take your time doing the book, like one little short chapter a week, but then do the practices because that's what that's what's going to apply the teachings and the concepts to our lives. So that because we don't need more information, right? That's we've got information overload. What we need is transformation to, for our lives to change. That's what we want. You know, relationships that work, lives that are that are filled with meaning, with purpose. Um, a sense of personal empowerment. That's what we want. We want to be happy. And that transformation comes not from reading another book. Okay, oh, like what a great idea. Uh, it comes from applying what we're talking about to our lives. And that's going to take a little bit more work. But it is so worthwhile because our lives will change guaranteed. They have, there, there's no way they couldn't change. Some people can call personal power the true self, uh, the real self, the soul. And for me, even personal power is the power of manifestation, the power of creating the life that we want. We are powerful beings. And I would encourage people to go and to buy your book. And if they want to connect to you, where can people find you? And obviously, I will link everything in the description box. But if they want to also hear, where can they find you? Yeah. If you have any upcoming events or anything that you want them to know? Yeah, that's beautiful, Annie. Thank you so much for asking that. I'm doing mostly everything virtually now because it's, you know, I've been doing retreats, live retreats for 30 something years, but it isn't quite safe yet with the new variants and the, the middle of the pandemic that we're in, the global pandemic. I will go back to doing them when it's at the right time. But here's what, I, what I'm, I, one of the programs that I created is a year long coaching program. And this is what I'm loving about them about that is because, you know, oftentimes over the years, people would come and have an amazing life-changing experience at a weekend retreat. And for some of them, if they didn't have a support system, if they didn't have um, a practice, if they didn't have a system of accountability, right? Like the word that we were talking about before to keep us doing what we said we were going to do. It's so easy to get distracted by life and, and to get sucked into the day-to-day -day and all the demands of day-to-day of, of -day life. And then we forget. And then the old voices of fear and self-doubt and the, the self-sabotaging behaviors that we were talking about, they start creeping up again and pulling, dragging us down. And then, you know, a year later, we got to come to another retreat or two years later and get another booster. Um, what I'm loving about this, this year-long program that I'm actually grave, grateful to the pandemic for, for forcing my hand to create it is that I, I deliver the teachings piecemeal. So a little bit, little, little bit of content, but the same way that the book was designed, the practices designed to apply the teachings to our lives. And then the accountability comes in. You know, I'm keeping the groups like to around 20, 30 people so that we have both the sense of intimacy and support, as well as the accountability of, of going through this year of transformation with others of like mind and, and keeping each other accountable. And then there's coaching calls with me every two weeks. So to find out about that or to find out more about the, the book is available anywhere at your local bookstore or on Amazon uh, or, or wherever people buy their books online. Um, in terms of reaching me, probably the best way is my website, soulfulpower.com. And from there, they can access my social media. And for your audience, if they will go to soulfulpower.com and get on my email list, and we know how easy it is to click unsubscribe later. Um, and I'm not going to take it personally. I know how much email we all get. So, but just for getting on my email list, um, they'll get a sample chapter from the book um, about what it means to live a heroic life in the 21st century. They'll get some of these practices that, that we've been talking about. 
um, and then they'll get a, a guided meditation, a guided teaching and, and meditation about trust, which I created intentionally last year to help us navigate these chaotic times of, of fear and, and uncertainty. This is the question I ask to everyone. Leave me and the listeners with a word or a sentence or two, whatever just comes up on top of your heart. There's always hope. And there is a way to step into our power and, and to um, to live the to live the kind of life that we dream of. Um, and so, thank you. As a final word, I want to say thank you, thank you, to, thank you to anybody who, who listened to this, and special thank you, thank you to you for having me on the show. I've really enjoyed um, our time and enjoyed our conversation, and, and thank you for having the show. Um, it I know that in your willingness to do that, so many lives are being impacted. So thank you, thank you, Anne. Thank you so much um, for your kind words. And I really appreciate your presence. I really appreciate your energy. And I loved the painting. Even the painting behind you had an impact on me today. The energy of it had an impact on me and the way I saw the painting. And your book also looks absolutely beautiful. And I would, again, encourage people to go on Amazon or wherever they can find uh, your book or on your website and just learn more about you and what you do and to just get the value from you as well and use this value. And thank you to the listeners for listening and until next time.